In St. John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, good morning, friends. Today is a big day. Happy? No! <laughs> gotcha. Happy Good Shepherd Sunday. I know it's Mother's Day. We're going to do a blessing at the, at the announcements. Um, I made a mistake when I was a younger priest, and I forgot Mother's Day on Sunday. I almost lost my job. So I'm not going to do that this year. But we are not going to talk about mothers today because today is about Jesus, who is the Good Shepherd. And he says something completely astounding, and I'm going to spend today talking about Jesus, the Good Shepherd, with one hope. You ready? My hope is, is that I, I hope I completely destroy what you think Jesus means by the Good Shepherd. And what I mean by that is so many people have this image in their mind of Jesus, the good shepherd, of, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. If you've been here before, you know one of my personal missions in life. If I was a superhero, Gracie and I watched the Justice League the other day. Every superhero has a mission, right? My mission is to do this, to rid this world of refrigerator magnet theology. And what I mean by that is... Uh, if you see a refrigerator magnet, smile, God loves you, or whatever the thing might be, that we, we understand images in Scripture that become so, I don't know, enmeshed in sentiment that we lose the power of what's actually being said. Therefore, refrigerator magnet theology, kind of like the things you'd see when you went to the Hallmark store, Hallmark store yesterday to pick up a Mother's Day card for your mother or your wife, which is where I was, and you've got all these different things about, you know, refrigerator magnets, little sayings. Well, I think for most people, the image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd is straight storybook, right? It is straight refrigerator magnet theology. Let me give you an example. Uh, here's a funny thing. I got a little notice on my uh, iCloud today. You know, sometimes it says like memories from the past and they just sort of show up. Today, May 12, 2007, I was made rector of Trinity Church in Red Bank, New Jersey, a parish that I was in for six years before I came here. And at, good, and at Trinity Church in Red Bank, New Jersey, there is over the altar a great, big, beautiful Tiffany stained glass window. It's astounding. It covers almost the whole wall, and it is a stained glass window of Jesus the Good Shepherd. And here it is, and to my point about refrigerator magnet theology. It has Jesus standing by a stream, right? Not wearing any shoes for some reason. I knew that because when I would elevate the host, I could see his hairy feet. It's kind of weird. Uh, but here's Jesus standing by a stream with a long, flowy dress, holding a very well-behaved sheep who's looking at him longingly, Jesus, you're my hero. And here's Jesus with his big blue Middle Eastern eyes, looking down lovingly with his ruddy red cheeks and long flowy hair, just snuggling little, little, shepherd, little sheep in his hand. And all the other sheep are just frolicking around, having a great time around Jesus the Good Shepherd. Friends, that is false. It's not true. Jesus did not have blue eyes, by the way. But what's wrong with the image? What's wrong with the image that a lot of us have of Jesus the Good Shepherd? Well, it actually <laughs> underestimates who, who and what he is. 
And it misses something really, really profound that I'm going to show you this morning. So two questions we're going to look at, two points. First thing about Jesus the good shepherd, which he is, what does it mean? Two points. First thing, does a good shepherd, does a good shepherd really die for his sheep? Point one. Point number two, how does a good shepherd lead the sheep? Only two points today. First one, how, uh, does a good shepherd really die? Does a good shepherd, does a sane shepherd die for his sheep? And secondly, how does a good shepherd actually lead? So, point number one. You ready? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Here's the zinger. Here's the mic drop. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let me ask you a question. Is that true? Let me give you an illustration. Um, you may not know this, but in New York City, some of you know where that is, right? Some of you worked there a long time. In New York City, you can look across Raritan Bay, which is the southern part of the, uh, New York, over into the New Jersey side. Look across Raritan Bay into a place called Highlands, New Jersey. Anybody here from Highlands? Nobody? Good. Okay. <laughs> Highlands, New Jersey. You can literally look across Raritan Bay, uh, Sandy Hook Bay, into the southern tip of Manhattan. It is a beautiful scene. You can see the skyline from there. And you would think, you would think that it would be super expensive, right? I mean, it's a boat ride, literally, a, a ferry across, the, across the, uh, the bay to the city. You would think it would be super expensive with high-rises and movie stars and basketball players and well-manicured lawns and all that stuff. Nope. Do you know who lives in Highlands, New, York, New Jersey? Clam diggers. They call them diggers. Clam diggers. Highlands, New Jersey is a pretty rundown fishing village. It's just, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. How did they not develop this? But people don't move if you live in Highlands because you are a clam digger. And clam diggers, it's hard work, man. They go out these big long poles and they pull the clams out of the, the muck along the bottom of the bay, which is about 15 feet deep. Clam diggers are tough. They're ornery, they're hard drinking, uh, they got some pretty colorful language, which I know firsthand because I was out fishing with a friend of mine once, and we crossed in front of them when they were doing it, and uh, I thought we were going to get shot, but we didn't, thankfully. The point I want you to say here is this, I've never in my life heard, listen to my point, I've never heard, ever heard a clam digger say, a good clam digger lays down his life for his clams. Think about it. When I'm a good, I mean, imagine you're at the bar. There's a famous bar there called the Clam, ha Clam Hut. Say you're at the bar drinking Budweiser with your friends after work, and a guy says, you know, I am, the, I am the good clam digger, and a clam digger lays down his life for his clams. Your friends are going to think you are insane. So here's the question, and I want you to just think about it for a second. Does a good shepherd, does a competent shepherd, does a sane shepherd lay down his life for his sheep. To make, it, to make the image even more absurd, you know, Jesus is not, is not speaking to 21st century soccer moms. 
He's not talking to the middle class elites. No, he is talking to shepherds and fishermen. And they would know logically that, like a clam drigger would know, that only an incompetent and maybe even questionably sane shepherd would die for his sheep. Everybody present would have realized the absurdity and the ridiculousness of what he says, which is in fact why later on in the text they say, this guy's crazy, he's got a demon, because what he says is way far off the res. But here's what I want you to see. What is he driving at? What does he mean? A good shepherd dying for his sheep. Listen, listen, listen. If I've lost you, come back. The only way a good shepherd dying for his sheep makes any sense at all is if two things are true. That the shepherd actually loves the sheep, which he says, and listen, that by the shepherd's death, all of the sheep's enemies, past, present, and future, would be defeated once and for all. You with me? The only way the shepherd dying for his sheep makes any sense is that the shepherd loves the sheep, and even so doing and dying for them, he conquers all sheep from all times, all enemies, once and for all, past, present, and future. If the shepherd by dying could guarantee their life once and for all, if the shepherd dying could guarantee their welfare once and for all, only then does Jesus, does the shepherd dying for the sheep make any sense? If by dying, he actually could give them all forever life. In fact, Jesus says this very thing. I did not include this verse, but verse 10, which immediately precedes the verse 11, I'm the good shepherd verse, reads like this. Jesus says in verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says, he claims somehow that his death in your place, because you and I, friends, we're the sheep, by the way. Get to that in a minute. The only way it makes any sense, in Jesus' point, is that when the shepherd dies for the sheep, he is therefore guaranteeing their life. Let me put it to you like this. It's a rhetorical, well, not a rhetorical question, it's a real question. What is your, what is your ultimate enemy? And when I, mean, when I say ultimate, I mean the one, if you dig all the way down, what's at the root of all of it? What is your ultimate enemy? Is it sickness? No. Is it loss? No. Is it financial ruin? No. Is it not getting into your favorite college as a graduating from high school? No. Is it a bad reputation? No. Is it dropping the ball at work? No. Is it a failed marriage? No. Because all these things, you see, are fixable. All these things are transient. And life is tough. I'm not, I'm not minimizing suffering because we've all got stuff. But what I want you to realize is in terms of an ultimate enemy, that's what I'm asking you, what is your ultimate enemy? None of those things I've just listed are terminal. The only thing that is terminal is being terminal. El muerte. Is that right? Death. Your ultimate enemy and mine, keep the metaphor alive, your ultimate wolf and mine is death. And listen, the point I'm trying to make here is that Jesus rose from the dead, which he did, 
And that means that he, by definition, has conquered death. It also means, he tells us, that those who trust in him will likewise conquer death with him. Not just him, but his sheep. And this is my point one that I want you to see. It's so profound, friends. What makes Jesus the good shepherd that dies for his sheep is because when he dies for his sheep, he serves and saves you by taking your place and mine on the cross paying for our sins, and reconciling us to God. And if that's true, if that's true, it changes everything. So second, my second point then is how does this good shepherd lead us? You know, let me just say this, my fellow sheep, because we're all in this together, right? I'm not pointing fingers. You all know I don't point fingers because I stand guilty as charged. Uh, it is not easy. It is not easy being a sheep. I've never raised sheep, but I've seen them on TV. <laughs> but I also know that being a sheep is not easy life. Sheep are, sheep are stupid. They're smelly. They, uh, they don't listen, right? They don't pay attention. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. It ain't easy being a sheep. You, will never, sheep. you will never find a wild sheep, okay? They don't go feral. If they escape from the, the shepherd who's watching them, they're dead. You know, Psalm 23, for example, says that the good shepherd leads me beside still waters. He will comfort my soul. Do you know why the shepherd leads him beside still waters? Because sheep are stupid. And they will, not knowing any better, walk to a flowing stream, take a drink, fall in, and bah, out they go, down the river. The good shepherd leads us beside still waters because we don't, we're the sheep. We do not understand the consequences of our actions. We do stupid things. We do dumb things. Not on purpose, well, maybe sometimes, but sometimes because we cannot and do not see the consequences of our decisions. Sound like anybody you know? Yes, me too. It sounds like me. And not only are sheep not that bright, they also they kind of follow the herd. Sheep are not independent thinkers, right? They go where everybody else goes. They want to blend in. They follow along. They just do what everybody else is doing. So friends, to be a good shepherd means you must be willing to lead your sheep. And well, sheep, that's us. We really don't like being led, do we? We'd rather go our own way, do our own thing, blaze our own trail, be my own man. But if you are a smart sheep, a wise sheep, you would stay as close to that shepherd as you possibly could. And you and I know in our own lives, we've all done it. I've been there too. We have made mistakes and blown it over and over again. Amen? We've all made mistakes and done things we regret. People have done things to us that have hurt us. We should, at some point, we would think, you know, maybe there's a better way. <laughs> maybe there's a better way for me to do this. Maybe if I were, in fact, closer to my shepherd, maybe if I were next to him, he could save me from a lot of problems. If you were a wise sheep, you would stay close to the shepherd because you have learned that you are wise enough to know that if you wander too far, you are going to get yourself into trouble. And if you're like me, and you are, you learn your lessons the hard way. You make mistakes. You, make, you say something you shouldn't have said. You've got to apologize to the wife. You've got to apologize to your husband. You know why? Because you're a sheep. Bah, me too. You and me follow the crowd. We think we're too smart but we do dumb things. We are fallen, broken sinners. 
Friends, what if there was a better way? Jesus says, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. That word life, that word life is a Greek word. There's several Greek words translated into life. That Greek word is the word zoe. It's where the name Zoe comes from. I love that name. And it doesn't mean just existence. Jesus says, I come to give them life, zoe, abundantly. It means real life, the kind of life you want and I want, the kind of life that you see in people you know that no matter what happens to you, they can handle pretty much anything. That things can go wrong for them, they take it in stride. Things get difficult, they, they keep their focus. That's the kind of guy you admire. It's the kind of woman you want to be like. Those are the people that have zoe, this unshakable confidence that God is on their side, that he is in control, that he's got this. You know, I, I, we were talking about this this morning in the adult forum. I think a lot of our problem, and certainly mine, is this. We focus on the now, and we forget that Christ promises us that when he returns, he will set the world to right. That is our focus, and that is our hope. And if you know that's true, you will live a life of zoe, this real, abundant, powerful life of victory where nothing can shake you, nothing can stop you. Jesus says, I come to offer them life to the full. Everything you strive for, all the things you want in this world that you strive for for peace, they can't give it to you, but Jesus can, and he will. So here's my question. Here's a question I'm going to wrap up. Do you, have, do you have life? I don't mean existence. I mean, do you have life? Are you content? Another way to put it. Are you satisfied? If you were to die today, would you have lived your life to the full? Or are you bitter that life has treated you poorly? Are you upset that your friends treated you in a bad way? Are you envious of those who have more? Are you contentious of those who have less? Look, here's the thing, friends. It's kind of simple and it's profound, really profound. If Jesus really rose from the dead, and he did, and Jesus is the good shepherd who loves the sheep, which he does, and that's you and I, then you've got nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about because your ultimate enemy, death, has been conquered. And that means that even though living this life is hard, brokenness is real, suffering is real, you can still live in joy and victory because you know the battle is won. The matter is decided. The game is concluded. Because the good shepherd has died to save you. Sometimes being a sheep is not easy, right? Sometimes being a sheep is not easy. I know this firsthand. A shepherd carries a crook, right? And a crook has two points. One end is a big old hook at the end. The other end is a point. You know what that's for? A shepherd, to keep his sheep safe, has to keep them close. And so what he'll do is he'll say, if you've got Bob the sheep who's acting up, Bob may get a little poke. Bob may get a little stir with a pointy end. Doesn't feel good. If Bob wanders away, that shepherd may use the hook and pull him back. Bob, get back here before you hurt yourself. <laughs> Being a sheep ain't easy. The, the shepherd will sometimes use tough love to bring us back to him. But friends, if you know the battle is won, that God loves you and cares for you, and that he is, in fact, your good shepherd who has laid down his life for you, that he has a plan and that you are part of it. You can suffer well. You can struggle and still have joy. You can rejoice and be thankful. Because, Jesus says today, 
The good shepherd has called you by name, and he has got this covered. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for me, who pays for our sins and restores us to you. Help us to follow where he leads me. Help him give me the joy of following him and staying close to him and safe in his protection. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.